Well, here's what I want to do in the few minutes that we have as we open up God's Word together this morning. We're closing out our series on discerning the Lord's will. We've been in it since January 1st, where we started online together in our uh, in our service there, and we're concluding it this morning. Here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'm going to talk for a few minutes and open up uh, a little bit of God's word for us for a few minutes this morning. And, and then after that, we're going to uh, have a time to respond to God's word. And then I want to leave a little time for a bit of a conversation. Uh, we started this series, if you were with us January 1st online, you'll remember that we started this series with a conversation here right here with uh, some of our ministry leaders and some of our pastors about what they have experienced in discerning God's will in their life. I want to end this series with a similar discussion, except not with pastors, but with some people from the church, uh, some of you talking about how you have discerned God's will. So I'm just going to randomly pick a few people and (laughs) just want to make sure you're awake. You already know who you are. And we'll have a conversation in a couple minutes, and we'll close the sermon with, uh, with a little bit of a discussion on just hearing from some people how they have found the Lord's will in their life. All right? That's where we're going. So I only get a few minutes to talk for me, so I'm going to talk fast, if you will uh, listen fast. Open your Bible to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be there for a few minutes. Romans chapter 12. I'm told that marathon runners, and if you're here and you are one, you'll uh, hopefully this rings true. I'm told that marathon runners, before they go out and run the marathon, that what they do the night before, the days before, is they fill up, get to eat almost anything they want, and do something called carb loading. Is that true? Those of you marathon runners, you, do you actually carb load? Yeah, so I, I did a little Googling. They say it's true, so I hope it's true. And the reason runners do that is because you know that if you're running a marathon the next day, you are going to use up every ounce of energy that you have stored up in your body, that you are going to use up every calorie that you take in, every energy unit that you take in, you're going to use it up. And so you carb load that night before or even a couple nights before knowing that you're going to need that energy the next day. But let me ask you a question. What if you carb loaded and didn't run a race the next day. Some of you are saying I did that last night, right? That was, that was just dinner, right? It's just, that's just Tuesday. But, but if you keep doing that, if you, if you keep, what if you do that every week? You know, you know what happens. If you do that every week, if you just eat without abandon, if you're constantly carboning and you don't have a race to run, eventually your body's going to end up unhealthy and, and your body's going to say, hey, we need to use up some of this energy, right? It's, it's going to have impacts on your health. I say that because I think spiritually, this is a good analogy to think about sometimes. I think at times we can spiritually carb load. We take in a lot, but do you have a race to run? Are you using up the calories, those spiritual calories, that spiritual energy that you are taking in? Do you have a place where you are using it up? and expending that energy that you take in. I, I think one way to look at that is at Sunday morning, if you come in on Sunday mornings and you take in message after message after message, but don't have anything and aren't sure what to do with it, in a sense, you can end up spiritually unhealthy. You end up overfed and undernourished because you're not expending what's been put into you. 
so you don't do anything with what has been given. Now, now, hear what I'm saying. There's a difference between I won't do what I know I'm supposed to do after a sermon and I don't know what to do after a sermon, right? The first one is solved very easily. If you won't do what you know you should do after taking in and hearing the word of God, it's solved very easily. It's one word. It's called obedience. You are simply to do what God is calling you to do. And you leave on a Sunday morning and you feel like God has clearly said, hey, I, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to go forgive this person. You're supposed to go show love to this person. You're supposed to change this habit in your life. You're supposed to leave this habit in your life. And you may know, I know clearly what God is calling me to do. And in that case, it's obedience is the response. But maybe there are times where you come in and you take in a message and you're not quite sure what to do with it. And the response and the answer to that one is application. How do we apply? How do we apply the word of God that's given to our lives? How do we do something with what we have taken in? And as we conclude our series this morning, I just want to conclude on that. What do we do? Because God wants you to do something. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you, not so you can simply just take in information, not so at the end of your life you'll be able to like fill in a scantron, little circles of an exam and have all the right doctrine and the right answers. He saved you because he has something for you to do. And God has a purpose for your life. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning by looking at Romans chapter 12. So let's take a look at that, verse 1. <clears throat> and uh, if you don't uh, have a Bible, you can grab one in your chair rack there. And if you do, it's page 947 in your chair rack, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And let me just give you a little bit of context, because if I say we're looking at Romans chapter 12, what you should know immediately is that there's been 11 chapters before this, and we are jumping into a middle of a conversation. So what happened in the conversation prior to this? And the simple explanation is what happened in the first 11 chapters uh, or this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome in the first century. What happened in this previous 11 chapters is a spiritual carb loading in, in a sense. What, what, what he has been doing for the entire length of this letter is explaining the Christian faith. Explaining the fact that we are all sinners. That we are all fall short Every single human that's ever lived has never met God's standard. We've fallen short, and we are in need of God's grace. What he's done prior to this is saying, and letting people know that the wages of our sin, because we are sinners, is death, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ is eternal life. And that if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are more than a conqueror, that if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that you are being formed into the image of Christ and that God has given you his Holy Spirit to help you live the life he's called you to live. All of that being laid out in Romans uh, right up through those first 11 chapters. But when you get to chapter 12 and you get to 12.1, it's a pivot point. It's a turning point. And he shifts from carb loading to here's how you run your race. Now here's what you're supposed to do with everything that I've been saying. Let's look at it, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And you can see that pivot point in that word, therefore. And in this case, we always say, when you see a therefore, ask what it's there for. In this case, the therefore is 11 chapters of material prior. He's saying all of this stuff that I have just said, and he summarizes it in this, by the mercies of God. Or if you've got the New International Version, the phrase, I, I really like it, is in view of God's mercy. In other words, in view of everything God has done for you, here's how you run your race. And he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I think that's really interesting because what's that tell us? What's Paul saying? He's saying, you know what? Following Christ is not just about your mind. It's not just about what you think. It's not just about loving God with your mind. It's not just about your heart. It's not just about your emotions. It's not just about your feelings. It's actually also about your body. It's about doing something. It's about action. The Christian faith is not simply a set of doctrines you know or information you take in. It is a life that you live. It's why when you walk in that front door out there, the three words you see on the wall are learn, love, and live. We, we gather to learn, we grow in our love, but you and I are called to go out and live lives faithful to God and use our bodies and present them as what Paul says here, a living sacrifice, which is really an oxymoron. Uh, more so even in the Greek language than it comes across in the English. Because <clears throat> in the Greek, that word sacrifice literally means dead. Because isn't every sacrifice dead? I mean, you think about it. When you, it, it, pagan sacrifices or when they were familiar with the Jewish uh, customs of ritual sacrifice, it was always dead sacrifices. You bring an animal and you kill it. It's a dead sacrifice. But Paul says, you are to be a living sacrifice. You are to be a living dead. Christians are living dead. And, that, it really, and that's what we're called to be. What are we dead to? Well, you and I, when you, when you and I choose to follow Christ, we become dead to the right to live our life on our own terms. That's what we die to. And that is perhaps the most, you know, outlandish statement in our Western culture to say, when you're going to come to follow Christ, you and I are going to die to the right to live our lives on our own terms. That now we are going to live for Christ and we are going to be a living dead living our lives for Christ, that I, I give up my right and I die to that. But I'm, I don't just give my life once, I live my life every day for God. That's the living part of the sacrifice. And that's what you and I are called to, that your body is a living sacrifice. And I, I, a pastor said once, and I think it's a, it's a good reminder, that the problem with a living sacrifice is that it crawls off the altar. <laughs> And, and I, that's, that's like, that's a perfect picture of how we often live our lives. Like, we're in church on Sunday morning, we're singing that song, and James and the team led us, and, and Christ in life and death, and we sing the words, and then we go out and crawl off the altar on Monday morning. I'm going to live my life my way. I'm going to live my life on my terms. But that's not the Christian way of life. The Christian way, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And what does that look like? Well, verse 2. That was only the first verse. We better get going. Here we go. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, perfect, good and acceptable and perfect. First thing is don't be conformed to the world around us. Don't be pushed into the world's mold. Don't be pushed into the world's way of thinking. Don't be pushed into the world's way of acting. And you and I know there are all kinds of things around us that you are constantly in your job, in your school, in your, in your, in your world, in your relationships, that there are, there's a world around you that is trying to push you into a certain mold, act a certain way, think a certain way about, about different aspects of our life. And we are constantly, will you conform to the world, the way the world thinks about gender, the way the world thinks about sexuality, the way the world in, in our current age thinks about independence and your rights and your body and everything. There's all kinds of things where the world is saying, conform to this way of thinking. And it also says, don't conform to the way of thinking. Don't conform to the world around you, but be transformed. Be transformed into the way of Christ. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that word transform uh, comes from the same Greek word. It's, it's the Greek word metamorphosis that we get metamorphosis from. So it is literally that picture of a caterpillar really going, changing into a butterfly. And as, you know, it's that idea that in Christ, when you come to Christ, everything changes. There's a fundamental transformation that takes place. And what we're learning about metamorphosis, even in recent years, um, as we've gained technology to be able to kind of look into that chrysalis in different ways with CT scans and, and other, other ways to be able to examine exactly what's going on, what, we, what we're learning is that there are things that die, that atrophy uh, during that process, but there are also things that have been present since the birth, since the beginning of that animal, that all of a sudden get turned on and all of a sudden start to grow and start to, uh, start to enliven that, uh, that caterpillar to the butterfly. And it was in the DNA from the beginning uh, but it doesn't click on until that metamorphosis process. And I think that's a great picture of what it is in Christ. The Bible says when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. There are things in you that will die that were there before that are no longer going to be a part of you. And then there are things that God had put in you from the creation that are going to be clicked on, that are going to start to grow in you so that you can fly and you can serve the Lord the way he's called you to serve him, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then that verse goes on and says, that by testing, you may discern what is the, say these next words with me, will of God. That you may be able to discern, now that sounds familiar, we've been talking about that for a month. How do you discern what is the will of God? Well, it says by testing. What is by testing? This word testing here is, is trying. It's the idea that you put something into action to find out its value or its worth. That's how you test something. You ever buy, you ever see something on TV, you buy it, bring it home, and it doesn't work the way it was supposed to work on TV, right? You tested it and it didn't quite, uh, it didn't quite work out. That happened recently. My dad and I were trying to fix something and we used that, you ever hear the flex seal tape? I've seen the guy float a boat on TV on flex seal tape, right? I mean, covered up the screen doors, and he's like, he's floating on flex. It didn't work that quite that way in our situation. We tested it. It was not the will of God that it was going to <laughs> fix that leak. But this is, what, this is what Paul's saying. Test it. Try it and discern what the will of God is. 
present your bodies, step out in action, do some things for God, and find out and discern what God's direction and leading is in your life. Use it, go step out and serve the Lord, and then you find out and you work at finding out how God has created you. It's not all like God's going to download his, his, his gifts, his direction, his will into your mind, and then you take steps and go. It, test it, try it, discern God's will. What am I testing? What am I trying? What am I going to do? Let's keep going. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. And here's what Paul says. He says he's about to say, he's about to talk about gifts that people have. And he gives a little bit of direction first about the gifts. And here's what he says. He says, look, first of all, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And, and that's important. The, the quickest way to spiritual death is to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Prideful, right? He says, don't think of yourself more highly. Don't think you're so great that you can't serve others. Don't think you're so wonderful that you can't, because Jesus came as a servant, Right? He came, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. So he says, don't think of yourself so high that you can't serve others. In fact, you can't serve anyone and everyone. Don't think of yourself that way. But then he also says, with sober judgment, which, which means don't think of yourself so low that you think you don't have anything to offer. That you don't think you don't have anything to give. In fact, it says, to each according to the grace that is given him. What each means is everyone has a gift to use and to give, but it's not the same gift and it's not given in the same measure. And so I'm not to look at other people and say, oh, I wish I had their gift, or maybe we have the same gift, but theirs is, they use theirs to such greater capacity. Rather than getting you know, discouraged about that, I say, thank God. Thank God there are other gifts in the body of Christ that other people have. And thank God there are people who have that gift even in greater capacity than I have. Isn't the body of Christ beautiful? We are members of one another, but to each has been given a gift. So you have a gift. You have something that God has given you that he wants you to put into practice in the body of Christ, to present your body as a living sacrifice. So what are they? Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us say these next two words together. Use them. Let's say it again. Use them. Let's say it once more. Use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul here lists seven gifts that are given to the church. They're not the only ones, and we know they're not the only ones because there are other lists in the scripture, and there where there are other lists given that there are other gifts that aren't necessarily in this list. 
There's gifts of hospitality and faith and miracles and healings uh, that are in other lists in the scripture. But these seven, they're a good starting point. And I feel like if you're wondering, hey, what is God's will? What does God want me to do? This list is not a bad place to start. If you're going to try something, why don't you step out in mercy? Or step out in service? Or maybe teaching? Or maybe encouraging and exhorting? And stepping out and looking and saying, let me try this and see if God will lead me and use this to be a blessing to the body of Christ in this way. Because everyone's been given a gift and God wants to use that gift to be a blessing to the body of Christ and to those around you even outside of the church, that God will use you in that. Jesus gave himself for us as a servant so we live serving God and others. That's, that's what we're called to do in Christ, that Jesus gave himself as a servant. Jesus came as a servant, laying down his life. And so we as his followers are also to serve. And so in what way? How are we to serve? There's a story in an account in the scriptures where Jesus, you might know the story, where Jesus, there was a big crowd of people that came to hear him teach. And it was the end of the day and this crowd of people needed to eat and the disciples said, send them away so that they can go find food to eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. You feed them. And they say, you know, we, we don't have, we can feed them. We don't have the money to feed these. And what do you have? And a little boy brings his lunch, some bread and some fish, gives it to Jesus. And Jesus multiplies that bread and fish that was a lunch for one small boy and feeds thousands of people. And, and I look at that this morning just to say this. God has put something in your hand. And what has God put in your hand? What has God put in your hand that he wants to use? What has God put in your hand and how are you using it for his glory to serve others? Maybe God's given you time. Maybe time to pray. Maybe you're in your, maybe you're in your later years and you say, well, I, I, you know, I can't do what I used to do. I bet you can pray. Maybe God has given you a home and hospitality and the ability to open it up to others. Maybe God has given you the ability to teach or prophecy, the ability to preach or the ability to mercy and to show compassion or contribute and be generous. Whatever, what has God put in your hand? And how are you using it to serve him for his glory and for others? I want to give you a couple minutes as we close out this time to respond by this. Just the team's going to play, go back to that song, Build My Life. And as they do, I just want to give you a couple minutes to consider this question between you and the Lord. Maybe you'd ask the Lord to, God, would you help me to see what have you put in my hand? Because maybe you feel like you think of yourself too low. You come and you sit in these seats and you look, oh, these guys on stage, they're so talented and gifted. What do I have to bring? To each has been given. You have a gift. God has given you. You have a gift. God has given you. Or maybe you've got a skill and a gift that you've been using outside the church, and God says, I want you to use that inside the church. I want you to use that in the body of Christ. I want you to use that to serve others. Let's just take a couple minutes and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about the gifts that God has given you. What has God put in your hand? How are you using it 
to glorify him and serve others. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is you who gives the gifts to the body of Christ. So when we neglect them, we're not being humble. We're not being self-effacing. We're actually, Lord, ignoring something that you've put inside of us that you want to use. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see and recognize the gifts that you have given to us. And then to have the courage to step out and use them for your glory. Lord, open our eyes to the opportunities around us. Help us to see the places that you've given us to step out. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us right now, not just to identify what might be a gift or ability that you've given to each of us, but also maybe to see a place and a context where that can be used for your glory and to serve the body of Christ. Lead us now by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We're going to, one more thing as a part of this service. As I said, we want to have a little discussion and a chance to talk with a few people uh, about their experience in finding and discerning the will of God in their life. So I'm going to ask uh, those who are going to join me to come up, Jay Titus, if he'll join me, uh, Luis Raul, Raul Lealtas coming up, and Christina and Caroline Gakuya are coming up. Would you welcome them? I said Christina. I said Christina. It's Christine. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. Difference. Uh, it, hopefully, uh, if you have not met these four people, uh, that you will get a chance to meet them or say hello to them soon. Uh, but let me give you a quick little introduction to them. Uh, you're struggling. You got to sit on it and push the button. Yeah. You got to see. Yeah. Yeah. You got to sit on it and put, push the. Yeah. Here we go. Here. I'll get it down. Let me see. Wait a second. Wait. It's falling down. There we go. There? Thank Better? You. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, that is Christine. Um, so, uh, let me introduce. So Caroline, Christine, uh, Lewis, and Jay. And a couple things that I want you to know. One is that they came to Mount Hope at different places. So Caroline and Christine are really new within the last year, have started coming to Mount Hope. Uh, Lewis uh, has been here since he was really young. Uh, maybe a baby, yeah, yeah, really young, yeah. Uh, Lewis has grown up here around Mount Hope, and he's in college now and discerning God's will for his life. And Jay and Jesseline started attending about 15 years ago with no kids, and they're still here with four kids now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, four, right? I got that right. And But also... They all have jumped in in serving in ministry. Uh, Caroline and Christine, even though they're just fairly recent, you've seen Caroline singing here on stage. I hope you've seen Christine. She's been in the cafe uh, with hospitality and sharing coffee and uh, snacks with people. And Lewis has also served throughout the years. He's helped with our uh, Royal Rangers, with young men discipling young men. Uh, and seeing them grow in their walk with Jesus. And Jay uh, has served in a number of capacities, uh, currently on our elder board. He's also been on our deacon board, and he's on our school board. Uh, but also, he and Jessalene have opened up their home just to uh, share with people and welcome people into the life of the church. So now you know them a little bit. I just have one question. I want them to be able to share a little bit more. One question is, how have you, uh, what has been helpful for you as you have discerned the will of the Lord in your life over the years. Uh, and I just want to conclude our series by having a little bit of a conversation on that. So I'll let them choose who wants to jump in and, and be first, break the ice. 
All right, Lewis. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's um, you now. You've been nominated. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had practice since last service. Um, for me, it has been, um, you know, I am young, um, and it, so it's been the people that are older than me in my life, um, partially because those that are older um, don't seem to be having the same problems that I'm having, um, and the people around me that are also young um, don't seem to have any answers. Um, they're about as confused as I am. Um, and those that are wiser and that have like faced, um, placed their faith in a similar um, foundation of wisdom, um, that being the Bible, um, has allowed me to like cross-reference what they say um, with what I already believe and know to be true, um, which has let me like take steps forward. Um, sometimes that has been in like direct contrast to my like, my own nature, um, like, um, but like that's better because there's like this practical plan that I have going in my mind of like a five-year thing, and that would have led me to like. Um, music and art as a major, which would have been a long thing to explain to my parents. Um, but instead, it has led me to um, my bachelor's of science in kinesiology and nursing, um, which is way more God's plan. This call that I feel like I have to help people mentally, physically, and spiritually um, is fulfilled in that. Um, and I know that it's God's call because I've had like like at least proof, there was 12 people in my cohort and now there's one, um, me. Everyone else has dropped out, left, or not been in college anymore. So um, I kind of get to pull down the knowledge to, to newer yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that. Yeah, so those uh, that have got a little further down the road than you, yeah. Lewis, walked a little further along, uh, you take that, listen to, that, but they're walking in the same direction. Yeah. And that has been helpful when you discern the will of God. Thank you, Lewis. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. Who's next? Uh, we'll go from the, uh, the youngest to the oldest, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we'll skip ahead. Um, so, Lewis, uh, problems don't go away, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so, just to, in full disclosure. But I, I think as Pastor Rick asked that question about how do we discern God's will in our lives, uh, my wife and I both uh, grew up in... Christian homes, we were very blessed to have the Word of God instilled in our lives at a very young age. Uh, very grateful for that. Uh, and as Pastor Rick mentioned, for the last 15 years, we have called Mount Hope our home, have continued to grow here in our faith, uh, and we've been very blessed to have uh, people walk alongside us through all sorts of things, coming in as a young couple, uh, having four kids uh, as members of this church while we were here, uh, career decisions, marriage decisions, life decisions. We're part of that sandwich generation. Um, some of the, you may, this may resonate with you where you have the responsibility for both children and uh, your caregivers for uh, parents or aging loved ones, which is an interesting point in life. There's no real playbook for that. And as we've uncovered that, as we've sought God's will in our lives, there's a lot more at stake now uh, for us to think about. What is the impact of those decisions gonna be both for our kids, for our family, for our parents, for our loved ones around us? Um, and I like what you said, Lewis. I think that's exactly right. It's been great to have people come around us. But as I've grown in my faith uh, individually and, and also as a husband to Jessalyn, it's what I've continued to come back to, it's that constant, ongoing conversation with the Lord. Um, it's not just, I'm a type A personality. Uh, I'm the person who writes spreadsheets and has a plan and organizes. And if I have to make a decision, I've got all sorts of ideas of what we can do. Uh, and every time I do that, 
the natural tendency living in the world that we live in is, okay, Lord, here's my spreadsheet, bless it, <laughs> right? Or it's, here's the four options that I need one of them to be clear to me, so let me know what that is. And every time I've done that, um, I feel that God has said, stop, um, put your anxieties on me because I care for you. Don't, you don't need to give me a list. Um, and I think sometimes as Christians, as the challenge can be, Beyond that, we can put our anxieties on the Lord, but then we turn around and then we anxiously wait for the answer. Um, and he's like, no, you, you, I said your anxieties, so you give me your anxieties. I got it from here. You still have work to do, but I'm going to be the one directing your steps. Uh, and we've seen that time and time again in our lives. And I know personally, as I've grown in my faith uh, and I've grown in my walk with the Lord, that has been the constant that don't stop praying. Don't stop asking him for direction. But then when he gives that direction, take action. Take, as you preached about today, Pastor Rick, take the steps that he is guiding you towards. Um, really quickly, you know, a few years ago, just an example of this, we were dealing with trying to find uh, a solution for my parents who were going through some medical issues. And they were living out of state at the time. And it was at the peak of the pandemic. We didn't know what we were going to do. We couldn't figure out how do we take care of them several states away. What, how can we handle this? And again, our instinct was, well, I got four plans. Lord, please bless one of them and make it happen. And, and God said, no, none of those plans are what I have for you. So let's, let's talk it through. Um, and as I gave that to him, all of the anxiety went away. All of the fear went away. All of the trepidation went away. Uh, and where we ended up with is that three years later, my parents live across the street, um, which was not something that was even remotely possible. Um, so I, I just, I, if, to sum it up, I would just say it's just, discerning God's will, you have to be in a relationship and you have to continue that conversation and not just shy away from it. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Appreciate that. So that ongoing conversation with the Lord, giving over constantly your plans to God and trusting and listening for his voice. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Appreciate it. All right, Christine, Caroline, who's up? Um, so, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry to be nervous. Um, yeah, my go-to, um, I guess, method for when I want to discern God's will in my life is fasting, or you can think of it as isolation. Um, my mind tends to be moving very quickly, and I have trouble processing where I need to go because I'm, I have so many ideas in my head. I have asked too many people their opinions, and not that that's wrong, but when you have too many voices in your head, I, I want to know which one is God's, because um, I'm not type A, but <laughs> I, I do like planning. I want to know the outcome. I'm very risk adverse. So the, the easier that I get there, the better. And so for me, the one tool that my mom taught me when I was young, um, maybe around 10, was fasting. Some of you may think that's too young, but hey. Um, I, I love fasting. Wait, no. I, I don't, sorry. I don't love fasting. I, I go to fasting as my path. Um, it's quite hard. I have to set my mind to do it, but it's the most helpful tool for me because it helps me put away all my distractions. Um, I need to hear only one voice. And sometimes my desire is quite strong. So in order to know if this is God's will or not, 
um, putting away everything else that I love helps me get deeper into the word, get deeper into prayer, no distractions whatsoever. And by the time I come out of it, um, I'm usually crystal clear on what is God's will. When it doesn't happen, he speaks in other areas where I kind of journaled and I forgot about it. And all of a sudden I hear him and I'm like, ah, thank you for coming through. But, you know, Pastor was talking about um, one of the ways today, <laughs> just trying, my least favorite. Um, but to be honest, I'm in the point of life right now where, for me, that is the path that is starting to sort of, I want to grow into because, yeah, you got to take action and nothing is fully planned out. So, yeah, but my, my go-to is fasting and, um, yeah, isolation. You just, you hear one single voice. Mm. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. I'm very similar in my sister in that. Um, again, we grew up together, so my mom is someone who has exemplified what a, a good Christian walk is. And because I've respected her walk in Christ, she's someone I trust to give me counsel. And so um, one of the ways when I'm seeking God, what is my will? In the last service at the very end, you spoke of the general and specific will. So this comes from the general will. I know the specific will of God is in the word. And even the general can be found in the word. But um, when I'm struggling something, through something, I go to my mom and I ask her to pray with me. And through the prayer, through the words of encouragement, I do see God's will in that, as she's someone who gives me truly wise counsel. The other person would be one of my older brothers, who's also born again, but he's very practical, logical, type A. I am a type A, but I also have emotions that tend to overload the logical side of me. And he gives me advice, it feels like a slap in the face, honestly, <laughs> and I hate it. But I also know even though I hate it, what he's saying is very true because I've prayed, but I can't seem to move. I'm very confused, I'm battling through my emotions, I'm like, God, I want to move, but oh, no. And he says something and he hits home. But then after this, it's up to me to continue to pray and even though I'm battling with the advice he gave me, I ask God, okay, help me to take that step of faith that even in, as I walk, you'll lead me in that walk. So this could be in my career. Sometimes I'll be fed up with my job and I'll be like, God, I feel like I need to move a career, but what's, where should I go? Like, I want the company name. <laughs> That's me. I want the company name. I want to know where you're taking me. And because I tend to want the specifics and I want to hear that audible voice of God, um, I get in my head and, and sometimes it takes somebody else who's wiser than me, who's spiritually stronger than me to come into my life and tell me, okay, stop overly spiritualizing because I do do that. And, but like my sister said, the, the first thing I tend to do or the thing that has worked for me in my life is prayer. Prayer clears my mind like nothing else. I will be so much in my emotions, uh, turmoil, and then I pray, and all of a sudden, peace comes over me immediately. The situation has not changed, I'll tell you that much. And it will probably not change for another couple of months, or even days. But the peace that comes helps me to be still and to walk 
through that situation knowing that God has me in his hands. And that's something that's, honestly, I can't exchange for anything. And then the other way is, like my sister said, fasting. When I say I have distractions in my life, I have distractions. I love webtoons, I love good food, and I love TV. <laughs> and when I combine those three on, in my everyday life, it's like, when do I make time for God? Because I'm, all my love is in these three things. And God calls me to set those aside through fasting. He's like, if you want to hear my voice, set aside the things that you love that are holding you back from having a closer relationship with me. And that has worked every single time. It happens through all the seasons that I go through where I have to give up those three. I can't give up just one. I can give up food, yes, but if I'm giving up food and not giving up TV and my webtoons, then I can't still hear God's voice because then I'm still distracted. There are other voices that are coming in covering God's voice. But the minute I give up all three at once, man, his voice is clear. And sometimes it will happen through the time I'm fasting, and sometimes it will just be wait. And I will see it some time after, in, you know, in the process of time. I see his voice where he speaks to me clearly about what he wants. Another thing is through the man of God. That is probably one of the surest ways I've heard God's will for my life. I, I've told Pastor Rick a couple of times, man, I'm like, God, I, I, I love that message because it spoke into my situation. Now I know your will for me. I have been battling with this thing, and all it took was for me to listen to what Pastor Rick said, and now I'm clear on, on what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes it's not even Pastor Rick, it's the summons that I listen to day to day. These are men of God that God has put in our lives to speak to his sheep. And so if I'm listening, God will surely speak through his word. Again, Bible version, verse of the day. I feel like God is constantly speaking. We're just not listening. And we just have to still ourselves, remove the distractions in our lives, and then we will hear him. Elijah looked for God in the earthquake, in the fire, in the wind. But where was God? In the still small voice. And so I feel like if we're looking for the big ways that God speaks, audible voice, dreams, visions, prophecy, we may not always um, see that because that's not his general way of speaking to us now. Right now, he's always speaking in his word. He's always speaking through his men of God. He's speaking through each and every one of us because we are Christians. We are his children. So I feel like we just have to remove the distractions in our lives, and he, we will hear him so clearly. Appreciate you guys sharing and uh, taking the risk and being up in front of everyone and opening up. But I hope you heard different ways to hear the word of God, right? In prayer, listening, fasting, through others who have gone before you, those who are a little further along down the road, elders in your life, and then through ongoing conversation and giving over to God. These are ways to hear and discern God's will. And as we've been talking over these last uh, five Sundays, you know, th this way where these things come together, where the gifts God has given you, the burden God has placed on your heart, the opportunities, and then God's voice. That's just another way, listening for how God is leading you. We believe that God has a general will, just as Caroline was just saying. There's a general will for each and every person in Christ Jesus. God wills that you would be in relationship with him. God wills that you would live a life of thanksgiving and gratefulness and trust in him and a life of faith and holiness. That is for all of us. 
But I also believe that God has some specific things he wants you to do because of the place where he has put you, the people he has put in your life. And there are different things that he wants you to do and gifts that he has put in your hand that he wants you to discern. And some of these ways are ways we can discern what God has for us. So would you stand and I'll close by reading these first couple verses of Romans chapter 12 as our benediction this morning. These are the words of Paul. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen.